It was kind of the, the intro. <laughs> Hello again and welcome to another episode of The Goat Farm. So today we've got, we're actually live right now at ChefComp 2015. 2015, game on. Unfortunately, Ross is not able to be with me, uh, but you've heard we've got a very special guest host Jason Walker from yep. Target. Am I the first guest host? You are the first guest host. Oh, that's host. fantastic. Yeah. So thank you very much, Jason, for stepping in. Absolutely. I'm, I'm uh, pleased to be here. Uh, uh, Jason Walker at Target, one of the engineers in our ops area working on infrastructure as code stuff. So you gave a talk today. I did. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what your talk was about? Absolutely. Um, so a big thing that in the, in the context of enterprise scale, when we talk about infrastructure as code, we talk about continuous integration, continuous delivery. Um, there are some things that, from a regulatory perspective, we really need to make sure we focus in on. Um, and one of those areas is around just ITSM governance as a whole. Uh -huh. And so the talk that I had today was really around some key takeaways um, about new ways to think about doing some of those ITSM things that we have to do. So if we think about like Sarbanes-Oxley and Section 404 that says, like, thou shalt have the right controls in place. Right. We have to be able to, to show that we do things like have separation of duty, that we know what, when, and where, and why something was changed, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in that same order of operations right. that we sort of traditionally take from like a, like a Taylor perspective or a COVID model and say, right. this team says you must trigger this response with a change task or a change request, and it, then that spawns into a bunch of change tasks and it turns into just really this muda. Yeah, um, and so this really, process mess. Exactly, yeah. it makes it to where you know it, it becomes very difficult, very cumbersome, and people start to work around it, as opposed to trying to make it better. And right. it's saying, you know what, DevOps is really a thing in the enterprise. There are some key things like empathy, collaboration, experiential learning. How can we start to apply them? Because those are actually some of the key tenets around the outcomes of ITSM. Right. Not the definition of ITSM. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have a guest with us today. Yes. Our guest is Yosef from Standard Bank. Yosef, what's your last name? Sorry. Yeah, that's quite difficult for Americans to pronounce. It's Lammerman. Yes, it exactly. So say that, Michael. <laughs> say, say. <laughs> now you're catching me off guard. Langerman? Sorry? Langerman? No, Langerman. Langerman. Yes. Langerman. Or you can say Langerman. Yeah, like a logger man, right? Yes, exactly. exactly. All right. See, it all makes total sense. So you might have some feelings on what Jason just talked about. So uh, Yosef is the CTO of Standard Bank in South Africa. Yes, I was about to great. say South America, and it was like, <laughs> close. close. <laughs> on that side of the world. One syllable, <laughs> check. <laughs> yeah. South something. Of South Africa, okay. which is actually one of the largest banks uh, yeah, in okay. Africa, or the largest bank in yeah, Africa. Standard Bank is, is the largest bank in South Africa and also of Africa. Right. And all of the um, problems Jason was talking about is stuff we're dealing as well. We have about mm -hmm. four and a half thousand just IT staff in different countries, so it's different regulatory bodies, it's mm -hmm. different type of, um, it's a different world. Africa's mm -hmm. a different world, it's different to the first world. Yes. So everything from Uganda, Kenya, Botswana, South Africa, all of those are different countries, different regulations, different things, and right. also different levels of development. And you have to be compliant to all of the um, regulation in all of those places. So what we did was, um, we actually didn't start the DevOps journey for that specific reason. Sure. We started with 
we just needed to get stuff quicker to our customer because we were starting to become food for our competitors and they were more innovative they were quicker they were all of those things and about a year ago we decided to start on a agile journey so it wasn't we didn't start with devops we started with agile just to get people more into that space of things and we start with our digital channels because that's a bit more modern the guys already know a bit about it but we've never changed our practices around it right so we started with that and our first thing were feature teams which is already a devops concept where you have people from the different silos working in one team right so there was no automation yet or tooling yet it is but at least i have a tester in my same team i have a security analyst i have an infrastructure dude they're starting to work together. So building out those cross-functional teams. Yes, exactly. Right. So a feature team for us is just a different word for cross-functional team. Right. And we had great traction on it. And probably about six months into that journey, we realized we needed a cultural change. If people don't realize they need to break down boundaries, if they don't realize they should not use process as a stop, you know, as right. a gate. Right. Because what happened in our case, um, we've done some research and what we found is every time there's a handoff, if I hand over to security or I hand over to infrastructure or architecture hand over to dev, there's a 20% productivity loss. Yeah, yeah, handoffs are killer. Yes, exactly. And that was our silver bullet. If we could kill the handoffs, things would just flow through this chain. It's that friction point between exactly. those different areas, even if even if the work is not really uh, like a long amount of time, yes. it's the queue time yes. between those two entities. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. the sad thing is everybody comes to work to do a great job. So each silo, for example, the design yeah. guys, the architecture guys, the infrastructure guys, they optimize to make everything... Silos of excellence. Exactly. Right. Right. They make it perfect for their world. Right. But when you string all of this together, and you try and pass work through it, it becomes very, very hard because there's all this local optimization that we've never actually optimized the value chain. So by starting with these cross-functional teams or feature teams, we're starting to break down those barriers. But six months into that process, we realized we're struggling to scale because, to put it bluntly, people just didn't get it. Right. They, didn't, they didn't get that we're breaking down centers of excellence they didn't get that we're actually empowering people. You know, that they can't just move the problem down the stream. And we start with a cultural transformation. And I think that was key for us because that set us up for the later DevOps journey. So tell me a little bit about that cultural transformation. So, um, so you did a keynote this morning which talked about this cultural mm -hmm. transformation. And I thought it was really, really interesting which is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you went about that cultural transformation. Yes, normally in large or older organizations like ourselves, things are very hierarchical. So management decide this should be the culture for the organization and management decide this should be the strategy. And the irony is management don't always know. And management might be out of touch with what's happening on the floor. So we actually made a conscious call that we're not going to do a top-down cultural transformation. And our first attempt was we said we're going to pick people randomly from the organization. Well, then we'll get a cross-section of everybody. Sure. And after debating this for a while, we actually realized 
there's a better way to do it because you want the people that define this culture to actually want to define the culture. Yeah, totally. And they need to be informed as well. If I just select randomly, I might pe pick people that are disengaged, that actually don't know what culture is about, and then the journey is very hard. The, the informed participation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think now you're hitting the nail on the head. We needed informed participation. So what we did is we put a test together and you had to read something and then answer a question about that things you have read. And this took you between two and two and a half hours to do this thing. So you read oh, about... Wow. So what kind of things were they reading? We read a bit about Etsy. We read a bit about um, Yahoo. We read about Amazon. All of those different... So read about the unicorns. Yes. Yeah. We read about the unicorns and we also read about the things that um, aren't going well, the dinosaurs. Yes. So we read all of that and what made these guys successful. And there's different patterns for that. You know, what uh, Amazon is different to a Etsy. You know, and uh, Etsy is different to a chef, for example. Yeah. And But we let people read all of it and we ask them questions just to make sure they've read it. And there was 20 questions and you had to pass this test to get invited to this off-site. And the word we call it, you got a seat at the table. Right. And we had 120 people that actually decided, we had 120 people that actually passed the test. They passed the test. Yes. And what was the passing percentage? like? Probably about 80%. 80? Yeah. Because not everybody participated. So sure. you send it to maybe a thousand people, but only 200 participated. Right. And in the end, only a certain... But of those 200, like those are the people you want because those are the people that are wanting to, you know, affect this change on the organization or think that they have the right ideas, yes. right? And then that, what I like about that is that you're making people invest time, right? right? right. Like you have to make this investment and you have to prove that you actually are knowledgeable about the subject matter. Yes. But in, in getting into a state where when it comes down to transforming, transforming the culture, there's going to be hard work. So when people are going through and they're going through like yes. the workshops, the offsites, what have you, that they're willing to come back and invest the time continuously yes. of, you know, there's going to be a degree of persistence. You're going to hit an obstacle because yes. somebody says, no, I don't like that. Yes. So you're going to have to change tack a little bit. You're going to have to go, okay, so that didn't work. How do I change the message a little bit to make it to where I can actually move a little bit forward with that same person and continue to make to gain ground? Yes. There's, there's an investment there. No, but it's, and it's, you again, spot on, because we, we actually use these people afterwards to drive the culture through the organization, sure. but I'm running ahead of it now, let me take one step back. So we took them to a facilitated two-day off-site, where we let them play different games, we asked them different questions on how do they want to define the culture, and there came out a pattern of around seven key themes which were important to them and it's focused on empowerment, it focused on servant-based leadership, we just call it different words so that it doesn't sound so gimmicky or you know, right. it, and we went through all of that and we came up with these seven things and like I said it ranged from personal mastery, it was quality, simplicity, those type of things and then we asked these people if they would be our change champions, our culture right. champions because then we send them back into the organization. And then we had a very thought out um, marketing campaign or a comms campaign. We starting to communicate this to the organization through town halls and all of that. And 
these culture champions because as you said they're the guys that put in the back they actually want to finish this journey right right they're helping us to promote this through the organization and when we started with that it started to lay a good groundwork for further agile and then subsequent devops transformation so around that idea of when you go back into the organization right and one thing that you pointed out in your keynote was it wasn't the VPs, and there might be some VPs in there and mixed in, and managers and other things. Um, but when somebody goes back into an organization and now they're this culture champion, what did you do to like specifically empower these people? Because like, how do I, you know, affect this culture change when I don't have permission to? Or authority, or authority, like influence without yeah. authority. So they were given, they were given permission, obviously. But like, mm. how did you make them the authority to where actually people would want to listen to them? We didn't. We actually did nothing. We actually left them, and then the guys that came to us and said, "I want my team to go agile," or "I want my team to go DevOps," we started listening to those people, and we started to give them resources, mm. and that is how we took it forward because you have all of these guys they're doing some culture work in their areas but for those guys that push hard for those guys who want to make a difference those are the guys you want to reward right and what came out of all of this were there were a couple of teams that wanted to go down the route and that's the only time we actually said no to one or two teams because you have sometimes political problems, you know, it's, we are IT, the business might not be ready for this. Because when you do cross-functional teams, you want your business to be involved as well. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's an element of a cross-functional yes. team, is Absolutely. the business exactly. owner of that. So, a lot of that work had to be done, and some of the areas were just not ready yet for that. But we, when the culture champion came and said, I want my area to go and do that, and it was not ready yet, we would have a conversation with him and say, just wait six months so that we could do some of that upfront work. Because we're not a software company, we are a bank, which means there's business side, there's IT, and there's a customer at the end. And pulling all of this together takes logistics, and it takes right. political will as well, and we had to create all of that. So it's almost you did small incremental releases of culture to the areas yes. that actually wanted the culture change yes. to take place. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and not, that, not that there was necessarily a reward factor, but when teams are coming through with, with what sounded like a solid plan of we're going to yes. direct this way and start to make use of Agile, yes. DevOps, and Lean, yes. what, what have you, that it was, okay, you may have an additional resource yes. to help you, because that's been a big constraint yes. in that enterprise context is, and, and I think it was Nathan Harvey at today's, um, you know, at the kickoff, and it was like, he started out at doing sysadmin and would have loved to have automated but he was just too damn busy. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, yes. and so if there's a team that comes through and says, no, 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 if you give us a resource, we're going to dedicate, and whether it's 20% across that cross-functional yes. team, what have you, here's that new structure, here's the new yes. delivery that we're going to provide, yes. small incremental changes that actually yes. minimum viable product yes. are a way to getting customers what they want, so yes. honestly we make more money. Yes. I mean, if we're for profit, yes. it's to make money, um, and we do that through really good customer service, not you know, belaboring the whole notion of let's actually, you know, charge more or what have you. Um, no, it, it sounds like there's, again, not to say like a reward factor, but a, a notion here of if teams are coming through, yes. 
and those champions are coming through going, I've got people ready, I may need one person, two people, some other resource. It sounds like you you were empowering that yes. and enabling yes. and responding yes. in really an appropriate way. And that was the hard thing for us as um, call it management is that for me to attend that session, I had to do the test myself. And I had to pass to actually get to the offsite. And um, so it's earned. There's that whole thing, you actually have to earn your ticket to get there. And um, the transition for us as management was, how do I help the guys to help themselves? So yes. where we previously made the decisions, how do I empower people? How do I take the obstacles out of their way? Because what also happens in especially these large organizations, the focus moves away from engineering. In the end, in the final analysis, when all the chips are down, the guy that sits in front of a keyboard writing code, yeah. that is what creates a product. But sometimes with bureaucracy and different things, it moves to other areas, it moves to compliance, or it moves to this and moves to that, which is all necessary functions, but the focus is away from that person. And whereas management felt engineering should again be the center of our IT organization. And how do we empower the developer? How do we empower the systems engineer so that they can get these products out to the customer? So our roles have changed from more decision making to more supporting these guys and removing the obstacles. That's yeah, great to hear. Yeah. yeah, and that's really kind of that idea of, uh, of, of putting the decision as close as possible to the person who has the right information to yes. make them. Right. You know, as Oswald is fond of telling, John Oswald is fond of telling the story of right. a developer or somebody asking, if, should we do this release? And he's like, why are you asking me? I'm, I don't is know. Is it ready? <laughs> are tests passing? Is right. it, then release it. I, I don't know, I'm a manager, I'm a VP, I'm yeah. high up the chain, right? Yeah. So in the, in the cultural transformation piece, and I think one thing that as you get closer and closer and more and more in that, sort of that empowering phase or that empowering people feel like they can make decisions. Can you talk a little bit about some of the, like the removal of the blame culture and moving toward a learning culture of, oh, that didn't work quite right. Yes. Let me actually share that out so people don't make the same mistake and those, oh. those kind of things. And that's probably one thing we're struggling the most with. Okay. Because, and we still, I can't say we're there yet. We started with that journey to get to a blameless post-mortem. Yes. And we would when have a, a banker calls and is like, I just lost millions of dollars. Yes. Somebody's getting blamed, yes. right? Exactly. <laughs> and it's uh, the psychology is actually interesting because there's a will to do it. So a meeting would start, we call them a crit set, which is a crisis situation or right. you know a critical to go, situation. Yes, yeah. to go yeah. unpack yeah. those things. And it would start, this is a blameless meeting. We just want to get to the bottom of it. And it starts like that, and you can see how it deteriorates half an hour later. It is the developer blaming infrastructure. <laughs> right, right. And then at the end, oh, this should have been a blameless one, but at least we're starting with that journey. So I can't say we're there yet, but we're starting to get there. And, 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 and all it's of these, very, very hard. It is hard, and all these things are really a practice. Yes. And I, I know one thing that, you know, at, at Target we've done things, and we, we've talked about things like flash builds and 30-day challenges. Yes. And, you know, and, and one thing that we we actually make use of, and in the past it may have been a little bit of a, a little bit of a joke of like you know getting feedback. Yes. But really, feedback is really important when it's about the situation or about the it's data driven yes. as opposed to being emotional. Yes. 
and that's one thing where you know we we, we definitely are always trying to achieve yes. that notion of pulling the emotion out and making it to where we were using data yes. to drive some decisions yes. and then reviewing that back. Yes. So it sounds like I mean that that's just something I think everyone, yes. especially if, if you're new or, or even old, that yes. maturity of DevOps or Agile, you just continue to yeah. hone that practice of making those things work. But I think the key learning for for me was you need to have patience because you yeah. can't just sit there and decide we're having a blameless culture and now we're going to have blameless post-mortems. But to realize that these things will take a year, two years, three years, right. that is very hard because one starts out very ambitious you know, and you want to make this big difference right. and then you hit the, this wall always, but you're starting to see that that wall is being eroded. And that is, that's very, um, it's nice to see that over time, but it is, you need to have right. persistence. It doesn't yeah. happen overnight. What's interesting though is like one year, two year, while we seem to like think that that's a long period of time, it's actually not that long, right? Mm. I mean like, the transformational changes that you can make in one year or two years are yeah. like, Groundbreaking, and yeah. you get so much from it, and it creates this flywheel effect. Yeah. Of like, you start having successes, you start using right. data to prove your point, and then what ends up happening was, I mean, you guys are seeing definitely a target from some of the feedback that I've heard from you guys and working with you over the last two years of just having this flywheel that once it's successful, right. and once it's proven somewhere, then it just grows and grows and grows. You know, and there's there's one aspect of that, and I and I think when we look back to examples from other companies when they, they've either, we've talked to them directly, you know, target right. to whomever, or just they're open on, you know, YouTube, what have you, at different conferences, um, is that usually it almost feels like the timer of when that transformation really started is when somebody up at a C-level said, okay, I don't care how we do it, but this is what we're going to do. Right. And we're, we're going to do things like API only for services, mm. like no more legacy stuff, and there's going to be time to shift, but it starts now. And a lot of times it's sort of okay, so we're, as an enterprise or as a startup or whatever, now we're going to do DevOps and you kind of click the start button. Right. Like now, we're, now we get to really start and get C-level funding or C-level support going, no really, we're going to do this thing and it's not going to be the DevOps team. Right. It's going to be we need empathy, collaboration, experiential learning. Mm -hmm. We need the three ways from Gene Kim's book. We need these things. You figure out how, because we need to define it for our enterprise. It isn't going to be pull a definition off of the internet. Right. And that becomes a framework, a structure for us to follow. Um, but it, it, it feels like there are times where that's when it starts. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if I look back to like Heather McMahon and Dan Cundiff and guys on the enterprise services space inside of Target, they're like three, four years ago. Right, doing, doing the thing that we talk about doing, where things like ChefCom. Sure. Um, but enterprise wide, there's a swell. It's the flywheel, yeah. and it's starting. And now, at, in, uh, in higher level management, they're kind of going, "Okay, got it. It yeah. isn't just a niche thing. We can actually scale this. Yes. It's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. Yes. We're going to go through and fail sometimes. Yes. That doesn't mean we don't go back immediately and like downshift, hit the gas, let's speed back up, yes. figure out what we did wrong." Work, work more on the blameless yes. postmortems, those kind of things. Yeah, um, and it's, like, um, it's like that story that Jez told, Jez Humble told at um, the internal target DevOps days. Yes. Of, uh, there's this 
there's this famous letter or email that was sent out at Amazon, and I know I'm not going to tell the story right, but it was like seven things that Jeff Bezos doesn't care about. And like a lot of them were right. like, Jeff Bezos doesn't care how your services talk to each other. Mm. He just wants them to talk to each other. Right. right? You know, and this whole thing, and like that is kind of the, that was, the, you know, a very much an inflection point as Jess tells the story and Amazon's journey of, you know, Amazon didn't always used to be a unicorn. Right. But Amazon used to be pretty messed up. I almost dropped the F-bomb there. But then I'd get, we'd get the explicit tag on the podcast and iTunes and like trying to keep that out. But like that's good to know. Bezos well, doesn't care, right? Your your business owner doesn't exactly. care. They right. just want it done somehow, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's that's part of the empowerment culture, right? Of like is commander's intent, this is what I need you to achieve. Yeah. Go yes. achieve it somehow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But what I think is important is you need to have the flywheel effect. You need to start that flywheel, but you also need to define some events. You need to say this is a team I'm doing this with now this is the outcome I want this is done for me when we get there so you can't just keep it organic you, organic is the start of it but then you have sure. to define some outcomes need to, organic. yes yeah and you need to empower those people to get to those things sure yes so one of the things um, in, in the keynote and as well as here that you mentioned um, was that Sander Bank is largest bank in South Africa. Uh, and then there's kind of the clarifier of also the largest bank in Africa. When I hear that, and I think about you know different enterprises that have scale, proximity, distance is sometimes a problem when it comes down to empowerment. Yeah. Um, what, is, what does that start to look like from a standard bank perspective of, I mean, do you have people that are in remote offices, for example? Yes. And you, you kind of have to say, to a degree, like here's the edict, but you, know, right. you figure out, like based on these sort of controls yes. with empowerment, what it looks like. So yes. Rachel Chalmers today, she had a talk about mainstream DevOps or DevOps going mainstream. And I think you were in there and one of the points she made was about GE was like, they trained up 800 people in how to, uh, their DevOps way and their DevOps Kung Fu. And like what ended up happening was like, now they got to scale it out to 14,000. Right, right. Other engineers, right? Yes. So like from that perspective of scale, like what are you looking at from a scaling perspective? How are you doing it or how are you planning to do it? Okay, there's two angles to this question. There's first the geography angle, which mm -hmm. is the Africa question. And we are reasonably lucky that most of the applications and processing is centralized in South Africa. Okay. So that the engineers that are in country, like at Tanzania or Kenya, are mostly um, infrastructure support or okay. um, local system support. But if we take our big products like core banking, those type of things, they, yeah. in general, there's lots of exceptions, but they are provided from a central core, which is okay. in South Africa. So the, that whole journey, the geography thing, is not that big a deal currently for us. Okay. It would probably become as we start rolling it out, but currently it's not a big thing. Then the other question was, how do you roll this out from your core team, from your pilot team? And I don't have the answer yet because we've just done one line of business yet, which is the um, digital space. But our plan forward, and again, we will learn from our mistakes here, but our, our plan is now to select a total different line of business and take maybe one or two of the ninjas, as we call them, the yeah. DevOps ninjas, and put them into those teams. Yeah. But not to move the whole team, because then you start breaking yeah. 
So we want to start with what we've done with our digital team. We had some training days, we had some um, tool training days, we had culture training days. Start with a new line of business and empower those guys to take their journey in their own hand. What you don't want, you don't want too many subcultures as well. But we will tolerate right. some of that, but at least the outcome should be should be the same. Right, yeah. So the new things we want to do, we will actually do that with a new team and then start cross-pollinating. Right, yeah. I call this buck rotation from the perspective <laughs> of herding goats or right. breeding goats, right? Right, right. And like, you, like to have a healthy goat population, you need to breed your goats or rotate okay. your bucks, yes. right? And so you're rotating your 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 herd so that you know there's no less inbreeding and like yes. taking them out, having putting them into an organization or a line of business, mm. having them do their right. DevOps kung fu there, yes. and then taking then then coming back when they're done in that line of business into kind of that organization that they were at before, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, personally, thrilled to hear that. Um, because Target is in a little bit of a, a similar path of taking what we've done with Flash Builds with 30-day challenges and looking to expand some co-located cross-functional teams, even though it's you know different uh, agendas, different projects, different efforts, products, what have you, uh, but putting them close enough to where if one team is doing something with like log aggregation, mm. it isn't three teams all trying to figure out log aggregation. Yes. Like we can go and say, and potentially like once a week sync up who's got what kind of blocker what's who's got an issue oh wait we actually solved that let's just make sure that our stuff will work for you so we don't end up with the you know 10 cookbooks or the 10 solutions to solve one thing um, we can start to kind of coalesce those down because there's going to be that swell other teams are going to come up sort of that rogue sort of subculture that pops up certainly somebody's going to figure out the way that they want to do tomcat or whatever it may look like but eventually it's going to be, they're either so awesome that people are going to move to them, or they're tired and lazy and don't want to yes. maintain it anymore, so let's bring it back into it. And the metaphor I like for that is if you look at nature, nature is, depending sure. on your view, evolutionary, but nature tolerates duplication. But over time, with competition between the different tools, between different things, these things start to weed itself out and the whole system becomes stronger. So. These older ideas of I need to have one strategy, one tool discussion, yeah. one across the organization. I think those things are becoming dated, in my opinion. Yeah, we're and seeing a lot of that, for yes. sure. And yes. I think this more open culture, the more, you know, the cathedral versus bizarre argument, I think we're going more towards a bizarre. And I think it is healthy. You still need some central planning, etc. But it is not the old monolithic top-down thinking of what we've been used to in the past. And honestly, code will continue to win yes. in those arguments. Yes. When it comes down to which one's better. Yes. My code is there. Yes. Or our data, right? Right. Yes. It's yes. all about the data, right? Yeah. And I think yes. as we, like the whole postmortem thing, right? I mean, like it goes back to data, data, data. Yes. Right. And uh, even even some of the conversations that I have, as well as uh, you know, Adam gave me Adam Jacob uh, gave me the advice recently of uh, you know, kill them with data. Not the fact that you're right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because <laughs> the data actually a, proves that you're right. Well, there's a nuance. Yeah. yeah there's, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a wonderful yeah, nuance for there. For sure. For sure. Yes. Um, well, maybe as you uh, continue your journey and, and start to solve some of those challenges, we can have you back on yes. and figure out how you actually did solve those challenges. Because yes. I'm sure many of the listeners would be interested in doing, uh, doing or hearing, hearing those stories. Yes. I think you're right. So, 
What do you guys have planned for the rest of ChefCom? Shoo, I flew 30 hours to get here. <laughs> My biggest concern comes is I need to leave tomorrow. Ah. So for another 30 hours back. So I just want to do some of the morning sessions and then unfortunately I'm back on a plane. Awesome. Uh, for myself, um, lots of things. I, I've been kind of following the compliance and security path. Sure. Will that track here at, tar at, at Target. Um, the, the security and compliance track at ChefConf. Um, and what's, so tomorrow there's actually a, a pretty full, um, pretty full agenda as far as different things to, to go and check out. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, the, the security things are getting extremely interesting. And especially as you start to look at um, security being part of the process, and we kind of open with this whole idea of like, when things are part of the process, it's, it, people are much more willing to do it. Yes. Right? Uh, and, and being able to bake in all of the tests that make yeah. sure that you're compliant is really, really important. And I think we're seeing that more in DevOps. And yes. like, there's a little bit of talk of like creating this sec DevOps type branch of DevOps. But you know, quite honestly, it's just the work that we've been doing, yeah. right? And it's, security is another test that you need to run Absolutely. of your test suite. It's right? not another branch, it's, yeah. it's another member on it's the team. It's just the way that you work. Yes. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Jason, yes, thank, you. thank you very much for uh, stepping in Absolutely. and being our co-host. Yeah, no, and, and yeah. thank you, Joseph. Yeah, no, it was, was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it was great. Pleasure. So great stories. Uh, if you want to learn more, we'll post all of the links of the topics that we talked about sure. on our blog. We've gotten some feedback of uh, that we need to be a little bit more public about posting the things that we talk about. So we'll work on that. Excellent. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, and of course, goatcan.do or goatcan.com is our blog. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter now as well as at Goatcan, Goat as you would think. Yes. Uh, Jason Walker, what's your Twitter handle if anyone wants to get in touch with you? Uh, at the Desktop Hero. At the Desktop Hero. Yes. Desktops, desktops and DevOps? Uh, something like that. Yeah. And uh, how can guests get a hold of you if they want to talk to you more about this? Do you have a Twitter uh, handle or yes, something like that? Yes, it is. to pronounce this now to American audience. <laughs> so it is, you can spell it. <laughs> it is at J-O-S-E-F. That's my name. Joseph, and my surname is Langerman, L-A-N-G-R-M-A-N. So it's the entire thing? Yes, it's just the name and surname. Great, awesome. So as always, we like to close out the podcast. Jason is yeah. very excited oh. to do this. Drum roll, please. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Do, do you know what? No. Do you know how to end it? No. Oh. No, we got to teach him. We got it. All right, so thanks again for coming on. Really yes. appreciate it. It was a great episode, and really hearing this in a financial services perspective yes. as well. Uh, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Jason or our guests. And Please. always catch us on the blog or Twitter at Goat Can. And as always, remember, be, be the, the goat. goat. <laughs> <laughs> dare, 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 dare,